Gentlemen, start your engines. This is going to be a mighty emotional occasion for a lot of people, not the least of whom is myself. In a race to remember. But this is absolutely gobsmacking. Yeah, he hasn't even hit the brake yet. It's gone crazy at the top of the hill. What an off-the-scale car race. G'day, I'm Dan Hollihan. Welcome to my motorsports podcast, On the Couch with Hawley. Brought to you by Sweet Black, creating success with people. Today's guest is the gritty Aaron McGill. He's known as the Marathon Man of V8 Supercars and is currently racing in the Touring Car Masters. Let's get into it. Aaron, welcome to On the Couch with Hawley. You are my next guest on this lovely podcast. Pleasure to be here, Dan. Yeah, yeah. I've been itching to get you on. You've got some amazing stories. That you're all over the internet. You've been on TV been on radio, you drive a truck, you've done heaps of stuff, but I want to go back to 1981, or was it before that you got into motorsport? No, it was around that time, I was, um, the dream was to be a, I think I told my mum I was going to be a Formula One driver and win the Indy 500, Yeah. so you know, you got to aim for the bullseye and then hope to hit the board, well I, I think I hit the board but <laughs> <laughs> over those years, but yeah, it was about 81 and I think Formula V was the flavour of the month rather than go-karting back then and you know, I didn't have a father or, um, you know, it's not a bleat, but there was um, no father, no siblings, just me and mum. And, you know, I decided to build a, a billy cart at a very young age. I remember that. And a cordless drill for me was the old hand cranking drill with a blunt bit. And I think gave that away and used nails instead, which didn't work. But my engineering has never been great, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Better driver than an engineer. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, in 81, yeah, Formula V, I bought um, a Lamco and um, saved up for it and all that sort of stuff as everybody does when they kick off. And I had no garage, it was under a tarp in the front yard and I knew nothing about car prep, was pump the tyres up, put fuel in it. I didn't even get that right, I think I ran out of fuel on my first race meeting. I, forgot, <laughs> I was so nervous and forgot to fuel her up. Uh, where was that? Was that in New South Wales or in, in another state? No, nah, Dan, that was in S- Sydney and Oran Park was, you know, like my second home. I used to badger mum all the time to go out and watch the races. So, you know, I was born in 63, so I was out there watching John Goss and Peter Brock and all that in the, the Toby Lee sports sedan series. So I was probably nine years of age when I was just, I've got to go to the car races, you know. And the other haunt was Sydney Showground Speedway. Yeah, right. Was there any guys that you idolised back then growing up? I was, no, the one that affected me, I suppose, as a young kid was John Goss because he was cool, you know. And um, I liked Alan Moffat because I was an absolute Ford nut, but... You know, Moffat was the professional. He was a little bit you know, sort of stuffy, whereas yeah. Goss had the neckerchief and the girls and the, yeah. the you know he was he was sideways everywhere. So I thought, man, that's that's me. Yeah. That's got me written all over. I want to grow up like him. Yeah. Was there was there much like as you touched on? You want to be in that? You know, you want to be a Formula One driver. Most race drivers did. I definitely did. Um, but was there any like guys back then, like James Hunt or someone like Louder or any of those blokes that got you into that? You know, trying um, to hit that board or. Yeah, it was probably Jackie Stewart. I was a bit of a, uh, like, I like the Tyrrells, and I don't know whether that came from my upbringing of being a bit of a battler and, and not having money and all that sort of stuff. So they always seemed like they were up against it, against some of the other teams like Lotus and so on. But, yeah, Jackie Stewart was, once again, probably a bit flamboyant, you know, with the the glasses and the long hair and all the rest of it. And he was just better looking than Emerson. Poor old Emerson got hit with the ugly stick, so I wasn't <laughs> going to be like him. <laughs> was it also, like, the flashiness of the girls and stuff as well? or was Yeah, it- well, I suppose the girls were secondary but um 
you know, at that age, it was just car racing and, and nothing was going to stop me. And uh, yeah, that, that was the, the situation that I was in. And then I met a girl and got married and racing stopped. But <laughs> that's another story. We, we haven't even got to that. We're, we're oh. back. We're still in the 80s here. So you obviously got started in 81. You got the, you've got the V. You were just working on the car yourself. Yep. You're only with your mum. How long did you race the V for before going to the Fords and so on? Well, there's a number of breaks and, and what happened was in 81, so I'm 18, thereabouts, and, and racing. I met the girl who I went to school with, got married in 83, and I got the talk like a lot of guys do from the father-in-law. Now, you're going to settle down and you're going to sell that pile of junk and you're going to buy a bloody block of land. I thought, well, that that's real exciting, but I did it. <laughs> uh, and, and that helped down the track yep. because I could borrow against the house to buy the race car. Yeah, right. That yeah. worked really well for me. I uh, didn't plan it that way. Um, so I stopped in 83, uh, and then I went back. I bought a Formula Ford in, goodness me, that must have been about 85-ish, something yep. like that. So it was a fair sort of a couple of years break, and, and I didn't know what I was doing with a Formula V, and I was even in more shit, if I can say that, yeah, with a you know, Formula you can Ford. Swear, you can swear and say pretty much nearly oh, any swear word on this yeah. podcast. Well, no, that's all right. So um, you're in shit. You're in oh, shit with oh, the Formula Ford. Yeah, because, I, mate, I don't know the end of a spanner from a screwdriver, really. That's the honest truth. Like, I struggle, like you know, flat patches and set up and measuring things with verniers. I wouldn't even know how to use a vernier. That's the honest truth. Um, so set up was sort of like they're all the wheels are pointing the right way and people are talking to me about um, camber and stand mm. the wheels up to go to Mount Panorama. So off we went to Mount Panorama, the Formula um, the Fords Ford, were there. Yeah. Who'd you stack up against in that field at Bathurst? Because obviously Bathurst is a major race yeah. for, for the Fords. Mate, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, there was like the Peter Verhaines of the world mm-hmm. come, to, come to mind and Tander was probably on the march up, up the lane of there in, in, in that sort of time frame I'm thinking in the 80s you know all those guys and Stokel people like that were at the front of the field yep. and I was nowhere near that because the car was a pile of junk yeah. Um, what was the pile of junk that you were driving though? Because I, I, I drive a Swift in the I drive a Swift in the historic form of Ford series, the Spectrum. Now, do you remember like the car, the color, what it looked like, the shit box? Do you remember your I shit do, box back I do, then? I do, I do. I bought it, got a guy to paint it black. Signwriter decided to put silver stars all over it. You know, a bit of a Janet Guthrie look from Bathurst '77. You know, it was all <laughs> freaky deaky stuff. It looked like an Elvis Presley costume. Oh man, I was just missing the tassels. I was standing out for all the wrong reasons. I can tell you. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, it was a Royale, yeah. and there was about three of them in the country. So when I tore the corners off it and turned into a canoe, that was a mission to try to find where I can get bit. So that that was when I learned very quickly through that car that you've, in my position, when I haven't got the skills, I've got to drive something that everyone else has got because when I rip it to pieces. Where, where did the Royal Royale come from? I don't Do know, remember? but we should have sent it straight back there. It was a it was a evil car, not the most evil car I've driven. Yeah. But, um, it ranks in the top three. It is in the top three. We can talk about the top three later or whenever oh, you like, we, but yeah. the top three. <laughs> but because I suppose when you didn't have money, you tend to buy what you can afford, and, and I did that quite a lot. And by nature, that leads you down the path of buying a pile of junk. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's the problem. So there's been some doozy motor cars, I'll tell you. Yeah. And you got the Elvis Presley car. Where was the furthest you got up the grid? Obviously, how many races did you do? You would have done Oran Park, Bathurst. Uh, did you do many state races or just jump straight into no, nationals at that no, point? No, no, That was the only national race because it was Bathurst. That was... Um, no, I did Oran uh, Park and I did a couple at Amaru in the, whatever it was, the Coca-Cola Bottler State Series or whatever. Yep. Blew an engine, which set me back. Uh, so I fixed it and sold it. You fixed it yourself? 
No, no, never build an engine. Can't, <laughs> can't even. I was tune. thinking you were just going to throw everything at it. <laughs> no. You got this pile of junk on. Fuck it. I'll just literally, no. I'll literally just fix this thing myself and just send it mate, out the it door. It would have been worse. No, no, I got a guy to fix it. Uh, mate, I can't tune a, a, a whippersnipper. Like if the lawnmower is on the blink, it's down the shop. Like that's our yeah. <laughs> to, to be fair, I am a bit like that myself. <laughs> I, I rely clean. a lot on my mechanics. Yeah, man, I clean <laughs> stuff. It's as simple as that. But look, it, it, it was a bit of a dodgy car. That thing we got rid of it, as I say, and. And then, you know, we moved on to um, sedans. I ju- the mm. biggest break for me, I suppose, was um, I got a phone call from a mate, Damien Connolly, who was working with Ian Luff at yep. the Defensive Driving School. Uh, and I was flogging furniture um, at that time as a sales guy. And what was the furniture place? In Mittagong, in New yeah, South okay. Wales. Yeah, and then the phone rang and they said, well, you know, there's an opportunity to join the, the, the crew. And I met Ian Luff and, yep. you know, what have you raced? And I said, everything but Indy 500. So I was in, <laughs> yeah. and, you know, lied there. <laughs> But that was the big break, absolutely the big break. Yeah, right. So go into more detail of like, obviously you've gone out of Formula Ford into the next category with Ian Luff. So how did you begin from there? Were you were, were at this point looking to start with a team or get help from a team or were you still a privateer at this point? Yeah, the age I am, there's a lost generation because I suppose Tony Longhurst, I remember he came through as a young guy because Brock and Moffat and Bond and all those guys, they had a real Johnson, you know, it was a real closed shop. So if you were young coming through, you had to be a superstar or have buckets of cash. And I had neither. Like I've never said, I was the fastest dude out there. But um, you know, you I know my you, weight. You didn't come. You didn't come with a bank account either. So. No, no, absolutely. Fell out of the wrong hole. Wasn't royal. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I was on the wrong didn't side. Didn't have of a the fancy tracks. nickname to help you. No, nah, absolutely not. So. The, the whole situation there was all about just trying to piece everything together, I suppose, and keep moving towards the goal, which was to get into touring cars because that's where the money was. Yeah. So I'd abandoned Formula One and all that stuff that was that was out yeah. the window. At that point, you were like, listen, I'm not going to be the next Jackie Stewart. It's not going to happen. No. <laughs> and I knew I wasn't quick enough. Yeah. That was the other thing, you know, when you... Um, you start driving at higher categories, as you've probably found yourself. You know, the the higher you go, the harder it's going to get. Yeah, definitely yeah. gets competitive. Yeah, and even when you're in the category and you're going towards the front of the field, oh, I'm tenth. Yeah, that was easy. Oh, gee, ninth's getting a bit hard, and eighth's mission impossible, or whatever. Yeah, then you start to sweat, and you're like, yeah. geez, I want to get to the front. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, aim for that little oh, bit of plastic trophies. Absolutely. Yeah, we've all done it. <laughs> so. Um, and that was in, as I say, sort of later in the, in the 90s by that sort of stage. Yeah. And I built a Commodore with a couple of guys. And that's where I learned a little bit about building stuff. And that was for improved production, I think it was, in New South Wales. Yeah, okay. Yep. Yeah, and it was a good car, good engine, just did everything was right. Was it a Commodore or? Commodore VC, I think. From yeah, memory, okay. With a 308. Yeah, this is when the Brocky era was around and they were, Holden was around a lot then, wasn't it? It was getting promoted on TV. Yeah. So we was... attempted to buy that Pacific Aussie-made car? or oh, I've always liked V8s. Can't stand four-cylinder cars. Yeah. Just don't, you know. <laughs> you bo- just want a bit of grunt. Oh, my boat's a V8. The Land Rover's a V8. I drive that. I've got a V8 ute. You know. you, your work truck, if you wanted it to be a V8, yeah, you probably want that, that to be, yeah. I mean, we've got the six-hour car. I've got a share in that. The, that's an FG GT. That's a V8. I mean, yep. your logic suggests a BMW or an Evo, but... It just you know, doesn't tickle your fancy. Well, I drove one up there a couple of years back. I know we're off topic, but, you know, they went, right, I fire it up, you're out for P1 or whatever it was. I turned the key and had all the earplugs in, and I'm sitting there and I'm winding the starter motor over because I couldn't hear. <laughs> it had actually started, but I was still, just it'll fire up in yeah. a minute. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't hear the big revs of the engine, no. and you were like, this thing's a piece of shit, turn oh, it off. Oh, it just drove me nuts. <laughs> I just didn't like it, and, and it just 
you know, the car didn't click with me. I didn't like it and it didn't like me and we ended up in the fence and that's another story. Yep. So back, back obviously, you bought this Commodore or the, mm, the back then. It. It, was it 91 back then or was no, it? No, no, that was, um, that would have been 96. Yeah, okay. 96, built that, picked up a third in class and I'd, I'd in Mittagong where I lived, Ducks Hot Water Systems, um, their head office is down there. And everyone probably knows Ducks Hot Water and Ream, they're the yep. two main guys. And I waltzed in and just said, uh, sponsorship, here's a three-page, almost handwritten document. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> didn't, we, that, didn't have emails back then. No, anyway, no, no, not at all. So you had to. You've got guys these days who can use social media, like myself, to their advantage to get sponsorship, to get seen. I mean, shit, you even saw me and said, hey, put me on your podcast. You saw me on social media. Mm. Back then, you would literally have to write a letter to yep. get someone to be informed about what you want to do. Yeah, it was the old round dial telephone, phone books, no Google anything. So you had to be quite resourceful and, and, and just, you know, hello, can I speak to the marketing manager, etc. And I got an interview with a guy, and I can't remember what they threw at us. It was, it was probably a set of tyres for the Commodore. The real key was I, I learnt that I need someone else to pay for my motor racing because I can't afford it. So I put it on barbecue. So there they are at Amaru and the... On the hill or Warren Park, wherever it was. Hang on, Eastern Creek, I'll get it right. Yeah. So they're, in, they're on the hill with a barbecue and a couple of eskies and... Did it have Aaron McGill racing and stuff around the barbecue or was it just like just generally a barbecue? Just, it was just a barbecue with a little bit of bunting saying everyone else can just bugger off. This is these guys' <laughs> spot. And there was about 15 blokes and they're all plumbers because I mean yeah. it's hot water system. Yeah. And and that's... So it was a punter's VIP box, essentially. Oh, just all beers my things and beers and meat. <laughs> Here's meets and V8s. That was it. Yeah. That was it. I learned a lot about sponsorship from the guys at Ducks Hot Water because they were sort of saying, we don't need to appeal to the mum and dad. If mum and dad have got a problem with their water heater, there's water in the laundry, mum's going to go and ring a plumber. Yeah. So the people we have to target is plumbers. right? So they invited the plumbers along and we did some stuff in New South Wales. And at the end of it all, I said, well, do you want to go again next year? And he said, yeah, but we're national. We sell all over Australia. Here's the budget, which I think was 20 grand. Was that for, a lot for back oh, then? Oh, mate. You know, for a kid who, um, you know, mum would buy something at the old Walton store in Hurstville, put it on the tick and then not have the money and we'd be hiding under the bed and she'd be going, shh, don't, don't make a noise. You know, so I, <laughs> anyone who knows You knew how to save money. I, I had the upbringing. As I yeah. say, anyone that's dealt with me in V8s and, you know, struggle street, they, that's where it came from. So... 20 grand was a lot of cash. I thought, my God. You didn't want to blow it at the pokies or anything? No. Well, mum was a gambler. (laughs) Yeah. You know, she passed away this year, but I mean, she was a rogue. But yeah, she was a a drunk gambling, you know, it was either steak or baked beans, depending on how the roll of the dice went at the club. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, you know, that's the risk-taking part that that gene rubbed off on me. Yeah, right. So she turned you essentially into a racing, like you're a privateer, ultimate privateer hustler at this point. You've had the barbecue. Mm-hmm. It's what it's the year 1996. Are we yep. saying? Yep. Yep. State level. Yep. So that's the barbecue, and then the VIP box is on the hill with a barbecue and a few punters <laughs> in like a little gated off area. That's it. Just having a drink and some meat, and then after that, they've gone. We want to go national. At this point, you're looking towards. I'm guessing Super Tours at that stage, or was it? No, nah, couldn't afford it. it. Okay, so you couldn't afford Super Tourers at this point. So what was the next step, or how long did you race, you know, improve production for? Only three races. Yep, so only so, the three. Okay. Yep, so I dragged uh, a very good mate of mine, Chris Lewis, who was Formula V. He, I dragged him with me into the production cars as a bit of a mentor. Yep, or, or, I know who he is, yep. Yep, and then that then drifted into... You know the next move, and he said, "You're better off using that money and being a lower class that you win 
than trying to run at the front of a field that you're going to go break with. And, and that was Which the is one a and, good point. Oh, yeah. I did it once, and that was that year. Yeah. So we bought um, a Suzuki Swift off Ross Palmer, and yep. he had, I think it was Fresh Cuts, was on the side of little Suzuki, bought that, and um, went out and had a ding-dong year against Cozzy Calazidis and um, Nigel Stones in a, um, yeah. a little um I think uh, I think Nig- I think Nigel Stones ran a go kart shop as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah he okay. was a bit of a go kart, you know, yeah, go kart. So yeah. We had some absolute ding dongs, but yeah. So we got through the season, but we were running GTP. That was alongside Super Tourers, and I've always been. Um, if anyone knows the nursery rhyme, I was told. You know, Mum was always said I was like Toad of Toad Hall. You, you get a, a Suzuki, and suddenly you see the Super Tourers, and you go, "Screw that! That's where we're going." <laughs> then you get the Super Tourers, you go V8, so that's where. <laughs> so Just, never happy. You had the little the little carrot ahead of you all the time, wanting to chase the next yeah, quickest thing. The next thing, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I suppose I fell in love with the Mondeos, watching like a lot of people did the British Touring Car Championship with the in car with um, oh, what's his name, New Zealand boy, uh, Paul Radisic. Paul Radisic. There we obviously. go. Yep. There we go. Yep. So I have my race knowledge yeah, up to date. Done well, mate. <laughs> uh, so I thought that car really interests me and it's different and Peter Hills was running some cars at that stage and so a deal was done with Ducks Hot Water they funded me and my first race was at Eastern Creek in a Super Tourer so I was jumping out of the Suzuki practice one over to Super Tourers for practice one back to so you raced them both that weekend I raced them both that weekend jeez did you get a bit confused because I've done yeah. I've done production cars and Formula Ford and my fucking feet have got <laughs> all confused not going what's going on you know what I mean absolutely like, so you would have had more horsepower in one and absolutely fucked in the next one. Well, the concept's the same because front-wheel drive. You yeah. know, in the Suzuki, I remember Chris Lewis was saying to me, look, mate, you know, you're second, you need to pick up some time. You can go through, it was a bit of days of thunder, you can go through turn one flat. Yeah. Just leave it in top and just drive it into the corner. Trust me. To be honest, they still do it these days I with know, that corner through turn one. You know, but <laughs> when you're doing it for the first, it's like anything for the first time. Like yeah. when, when I was in the V8 and they sort of said, mate, why are you lifting before the chase? Yeah. <laughs> You know, really? <laughs> you want me to go the, through that flat? Yeah, we're at the top of the fucking hill, mate. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, I jumped into that, and the biggest drum was getting the super tours off the line because there was such a peaky engine. There was bugger all talk, and of course, light goes green, and, and the Suzuki was just you know revs yeah, you put and flat down. And, yeah, yeah, you just step off it and go. Yeah. Whereas that thing step off and it could, yeah, and it just squatted and then moved, died stopped so you know back on the button and you know try and get it back to first or whatever we'd done with the sequential and why you know so it was plenty going on but fell in love with that went back to ducks and said um look at the end of this year's racing mm. let's get into super tours and that the, and that was just the one let's go back here so that mm. was just the one race that you'd done at the point with super tours and this this the, the swift the production improved production was it or got uh, conf- i've got confused so i've gone no, from no, holdens to the gone swift. from holdens in 97 the suzuki was 98 yep or no, 98, 98, that's right. Did the one race at Eastern Creek, double duties. Ducks then threw money at me to run with Peter Hills at the Bathurst race, which was the big international when Elaine yep. Menu and all those guys came out. I remember watching that as a kid. That's and the you infam- as a kid. Yep. Yeah, well, we didn't cover ourselves in glory. That was the bonnet fly-up for um, <laughs> the co-driver, young Jen, and um, you know yep. the other co-driver who bought his way, and he rolled the thing down from the back. From the cutting to the um, to pit lane. Jesus Christ! So by this point in your career, you've raced from obviously 1981 to 1996, 98 that we're at now. Mm. In hindsight, if you had a garage full of those race cars, it would already be stacked. Like you would have, you'd have <laughs> fucking cars everywhere. You'd have most yeah, cars. Yeah, you'd yeah. be, it'd probably be a garage in Granville, just you know, filled with camp well, cars if I you just could. Jumped in whatever you know. If a sponsor said, "Look, I've got a couple of grand. We want our name on something. Let's go." So it was a meteoric rise. Yeah. That I didn't. 
There was no planning. There was no mentor other than Chris. There's no father figure to say, hey, Dad, what do you reckon we should do here? Yeah. Was your mum very supportive of your racing, though? Was she behind it, or was she just like, listen, you're a crazy, you're a crazy no, bugger. No, I won't was, watch. She was behind it, but mum was always critical. You'd, you'd run at Eastern Creek, and she'd be in the stand, and you'd you'd finish third, and she'd come down and say, you could have gone second, but you're not taking that corner right. And you go, well, you know, like... <laughs> <laughs> you hop in the car. Yeah, you have a go. Helmet, you have a go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But um, I, I suppose '98 was, as I say, what, what we were doing there, and and you know, old mate rolling down the hill. That was a nightmare. I know we're only got limited yeah. time, but you know, I know oh, we've got we've got all the time in the world, <laughs> so it's all good, <laughs> mate. I mean, you know, the hills team with the people that are in there were unusual. Yeah, professional probably not. Yep. at that stage. And when the car died up the hill... This is 98 or 99? 98. It's a long while ago now. Yeah. Anyway, the thing croaks itself, and it's on the radio. I'm picking up the chat that it's died, and um, he can't get it to go. And and to jump forward, it was fuel pump issue. There was some drama. Anyway, so everyone's throwing headsets on the deck. It's all over, and so on and so forth. And I thought, well, there's my first drive in something big at Mount Panorama gone. So I'm walking down pit lane with my hands in my pocket, feeling very dejected on the actual pit lane. So I'm walking in the lane and just thinking, well, you know, I've paid a lot of money. How am I going to explain this to ducks and so Mm. on? And the time had passed. And if you don't know this story, plenty of your listeners will know about it. (laughs) So all of a sudden, and I should have brushed up on the names, he's now the Formula One race director. Oh, Michael Massey. Michael Massey. No way. Michael (laughs) was the PR dude. So he comes running down pit lane and grabs me by the collar and goes, what are you doing? The car's in the lane. Let's go. You know, like you're on, you're on. I thought, I never saw it come past me. I've walked the lane and you know I'm on Dio when it goes by and I yeah, didn't see the car. Yeah, a beautiful looking car. So I sprint back, grab the helmet and chuck it all together, get in the car and brrr, off we go. Yeah, right. So obviously around that point in this time and what you've said in other articles and stuff to the media before is... The Mondeo was probably one of your most favourite yeah. race cars you've ever driven. Was there any reason why that was? Just the engine note. Purely the engine. So you're just an the, engine man. It was just the engine note. I mean, a V6 Cosworth. Yep. Spinning to eight and a half, and it was just music. It wasn't a Formula One, but, you know, I love my V8s, but that was just a sweet, just to feed gears to that thing on a sequential shift going down Conrod Strait was just brilliant. Yeah, yeah, it was great fun. So, obviously, Super Tourers, they had that, obviously, the Paul Morris, Tony Longhurst thing going on there. The bit of grudge in that in that racing class. Was there anyone <laughs> that you like to bang doors with? Searle. Uh, yeah? <laughs> what's, what's his yeah. full name? Uh, I think it was, there was a couple, of, it might have been Luke. Luke Searle? Luke, Luke Searle. Searle. Yeah, he, he obviously still races. Is Bath a six hour every now and then, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And okay. he's quick, and um, we we scrape paint a number of times. And there is footage of um, he had an in car camera, and Moffat was commentating back in those days. And this is ninety nine now yep. when I'm running the Super Tours, and coming to the corner, then down the dip at Oran Park, down in the dip, he's all over the back of it because the Mondeo had big heavy engine V six. It was forward of the axle, front tyres were just toast in three yeah. laps so i'm struggling to pull it up and turn it in and it's he's like, driving, all over. like driving a piece of wood oh it was woeful <laughs> you know like it'll turn one of these days and everyone's coming down the inside but surly tagged the back of it the bumper's gone come off but he's got the in-car camera so i'm on the thing and run it out to the wall and the, the yeah. mirror's nearly at the wall out of bp there or whatever they call it in the finish yeah and i've got the finger out the window <laughs> giving him the single digit <laughs> salute him the bird. and moffat's <laughs> going oh you shouldn't do that you need your both hands on the wheel when you're driving one of these <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> 
Well, then I've upset the idol. <laughs> the man of Ford back in his day, yeah. you've upset him. Yeah, which I didn't want to do. So back in the pits, did you confront each other or did you just like let it go and just be like, listen, mate, we just bang doors and we're like, we'll just forget about he it. He was very fair. Like we swapped paint mm-hmm. a lot. And it was usually because either of us couldn't stop or the other one got a better drive and we yeah, went race, on each other. Racing yeah, fairly. Yeah. Bumpers and stuff hanging yeah. off everywhere, yeah. and that's just how it was. Yeah. But it was it, it was a great series. I know we sort of jumped ahead a little bit there, but, you know, that was Richo. You know, Adderton was in it. Mark Williamson was another one. He'd just come back from Europe and done some stuff. And, you know, Brad Jones and all those guys, McConville. So what I knew a bit of it as a kid watching yep, yep, it on TV. Yep. What did you know more about this? You just brought up Pete Adderton. Mm. What was the team that he ran? Because I can't fully remember. So there was Brad Jones, the Oryx, you know, there was you guys, and then there Brad was... Brad ran his own show, yeah. He he was he was linked with Audi, and Kim was driving that, obviously, that, that financially, and that was a good deal for him. I think that the Addertons had quite a lot to do with the Volvo deal with the gym was Yeah, that was when Ricard Rydell came over and stuff like that, didn't he? Yeah, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. and we had the, the 2S40 Volvos. Mark Williamson did a couple of rounds and then probably ran out of money or something and then yeah. added and put his brother in Mark. So Mark and Jim were, were driving that. Yeah, right. Peter Hills had the Mondeo. He updated them to the newer model and he, he drafted Canto into the thing. So it was a red-hot field. It was pretty bloody good. It was Obviously, yeah, there was a lot of money going on and obviously there was the supercars next door. Back then it was like the Super League era of, yeah. of racing. You know what Tell I mean? You had supercars, it. you had super tourers. Yep. You know, as a kid and still to this day, I love watching TCR and back yep. super tourers and stuff like that. So yeah. you're, you're, you're against the fence. Did they have a purse back then because you're competing against each other essentially in two different series and both Bathurst 1000s as well? Yeah, there was money thrown around for sure. Yeah. Yeah, was there it, was, was there big there was money the to keep a- you here? No, well, what happened, I suppose, I remember it culminated in the Bathurst thing and there's a whole heap of stuff on socials about that. But basically, Coco, Tony Cochran, mm. he had a deal in the bag, from what I understand from people in the industry, that he had Channel 10 in the bag, done deal. Went to Seven trying to do a better deal, I, I, yeah. I'm, I'm guessing. They said, jam it, and he went, no drama, see you later, I'm off, and pulled all the cars out of the 1000 yeah, and, right. and ran the... Australian 1000 or whatever the hell they called it. Mm. So you had the two events. So Channel 7, basically, everyone sort of said that Super Tourists stole the Bathurst 1000 and became the AMP 1000. Yeah, wasn't the case at all. It was basically Seven had a motor race and there's a mountain at Mount Panor up at Bathurst there that there was going to be no cars. So it was basically TV rights on both channels and they had to fill both 1000s. There was an obligation that Seven had a broadcast, a telecast happening in six weeks or whatever it was and there was no category. Yeah, right. So they rang Kelvin O'Reilly and, and put the deal together that Super Tourists would be at Bathurst. I was in both of those, and that was in 97. Oh, God, I'm trying to remember now. That <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. One. You've raced so many cars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I'm trying that to tick deal. off every one. Sorry, man. Okay, yeah. so there was a, there was, I, I got wind of it. There was the, you know, the, the 1000 was, was going ahead, and the Super Tourers were filling it, and they needed cars. So I, um, I was trying to put a deal together for um, a 405 Peugeot, and it wasn't working for me. It, I didn't have enough money. Dwayne Bewley, I think, had the cash, and he was got it all organised, it was all going to happen. But it all went ass up literally on the Monday of Bathurst. So they rang me and said, if you're still keen the car's here, we can lease it to you. So I rang my sponsors. Ducks didn't want in because it all turned to crap. I then rang straight away, literally room hot water, got onto the marketing manager and he knew me and yep. he said, yep, no worries, we're in. Piss them off. <laughs> Sign a thing that you're never going to race for them again type of a deal. Yeah. And away we go. But the moral of that, I'd got to be one of the only blokes who, you know, 
preparation, zero. Like, we went and picked the car up on the Tuesday, drove it into Mount Panorama on the Wednesday, stickered it. And just had a go. And just sat in the thing, and I didn't even know how to start it. I'd driven Pete's Mondeo. I'd never driven a Peugeot in my life. So we're trying to work out how everything works. And Was it heavier? Did it feel heavier? Was no, it much was it lighter. Much lighter. Much See, lighter, in my much head, more nimble. In my head, when, when I was watching it on TV, mm. I always thought the Peugeot looked heavier as a kid, but it was mm. much lighter to the, the to the Mondeo. Yeah, the, the engineers in those things, I mean, it was getting pretty high tech, and I think the Mondeo was a 94 model, but the Pug was a 95, and that was when they were starting to get the engine block which is vertical in the engine bay, and they were laying it back. So it was at 45 degrees. So you yeah, had this beautiful <laughs> yeah. power-to-weight sort of balance in yeah. the car. And I'd never driven it, went out anyway. We, I think we qualified, fifth, you'd have to look it up, as yeah. 15th or 16th or something like that. Out I'm sure we've got cars. some sleuths on, on the internet yeah. that can listen to this <laughs> and give us a comment. Check it all out. <laughs> but it was just a matter of just fire it up out the gate and hang on and just drive the bloody thing. And, and yeah, but then the main motivation was that, Back to what you were talking about before. Channel Seven were paying, I think it was fifteen grand. If if you could take the start, you got mm. fifteen grand. Nice. And and to a guy like me, mm. man, I think I've done a deal for seven for the car. I'll put one set of tires on it and pocket the cash and that'll put fuel in it and go again. Pay for everything and we might actually cut even on a race weekend, but blew the gearbox, didn't we? So Yeah, right. So what do you think about racing? We'll go we'll obviously go a bit off subject and go back to it. <laughs> um, so what do you think about like racing these days? You've got obviously T C R supercars. And to be honest, they don't actually, you've been in this arena, they don't actually give that much purse away. So back then you're getting like 15 grand for a starting spot. Is there any way in the industry that you think that can happen for that sort of thing to come back? Because now races emerged as like, you know, ARG has bought supercars and whatnot. Controversial question. It's a controversial question, but that's what this podcast is all about. Is there any way, do you reckon, that motorsport can, you know, push more money through the gates for a competitor? So, you you know, at least you're breaking well, even. At yeah. the end of the day, like I ran the Australian Production Car Championship as, yep. as, as a... Um, That's what I was going to get to anyway. Yeah, <laughs> running that. And that opened my eyes up. And, and you call a spade a spade. I've always tried to. And you, you, you pull the meat off the bone and you go right back to the marshals. They should be getting more than a, a cold pie and a hot drink oh, to stand out there all weekend. That's yeah. the first thing. The second thing, I suppose, is you get the big end of town. It's a big business. Now, I've never seen what's in Supercar's bank account, but I'm sure it isn't five bucks. <laughs> uh, and do they give it back to the teams? Well, they do the Supercar teams. Yeah, They're all getting a slice of the pie, just like Formula One or NASCAR and all the rest of it. But anybody else down the line, like you know TCM for an example, I mean our entry fees are like four or five thousand bucks to go to Mount Panorama. Now that's no different to any other category. But there's a lot of money washing through a lot of lot of hands. Mm. Mate, you hear horse racing at Newcastle or Wollongong in New South Wales, and there's a million dollar purse for for a horse race. So we're 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 an, exactly right. We're an eight point six billion dollar industry, and I hundred percent agree with you. These flaggies and the officials, and mm. you've you, you've done like obviously the. The V8 thing at, you know, giving guys a go around Bathurst. Oh, you know, fast track. Fast yeah, track, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. So you've seen the guys, even for that, just being official, yep, right? Yep, A hundred percent, I totally agree that some of the money should go to the officials because they stand out there in the hot yeah, temperatures, yeah. the the freezing rain, cold, the, the freezing pale. cold. Yep, I hundred percent agree that they should obviously get paid by mm. Motorsport Australia or Supercars, mm. or the promoter at least. Oh, I think so. And I mean, you know, I've said many years ago that, that you know, if there was another 50 bucks on top of the entry fee or whatever it was, if every competitor paid it and that was put into a, a fund or a kitty that then was divvied up for the marshals, and they're the soul of the earth. You give them a T-shirt or a cap and they think, you know, which is just wonderful, you know, they, yeah. they, they should get more. Unfortunately, motor racing, you get narcissistic personalities. Yep. Uh, 
and lots and lots of cash, and I wouldn't say corruption or anything, I wouldn't go that far, but it's a money-making exercise for a lot of people. There's an old saying, we all bandy it around, oh, the way to make a small fortune out of motor racing, start with a big one. You know, mm. never bought into that, because if people were losing money, they wouldn't be doing it. And we all know who we're talking about, the top yeah. end of town. You yeah. know, if, yeah. if they were burning cash left, right and centre, they wouldn't hang around for the for a 10-year stint running supercars every second weekend in Australia, because they'd run out of cash and they'd go, wait, they're making good money. Does it come back through the other categories? No. Does it go to the flaggies? No. So, am I happy about it? No. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what I was asking. You're such a community man in this sport and you obviously have helped a lot of people off your own back. But now we'll go obviously back to your racing career. So at this point, you've hit 1998, 1999. Um, you're teetering at this point between super tourers and you're looking at supercars. I've read also that you did, I think you did a stint for Paul Morris. How did that deal come about? <laughs> like coming coming from like we just got talked about supercars how did getting involved in supercars happen from the super tourers when i went into the super tourers with the limited funds that i've got and all the sponsors like they're like family you know what i mean mm. I, I try to guide them the best bang for buck so i made the decision that super tourers was the future and that was about as smart as pete best leaving the beatles you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't my greatest decision so i plowed everything into super tourers and it went belly up obviously um, when, when did it go belly up You'd have to say 99 was the last year that it was quality. Um, Did they complete their last series, though? Like yeah, 2000 it ran. Yep, okay. But they were dragging in, mate. If you turned up with a mini minor and, you know, you could run it, you know. Fair dinkum, really. There was, yeah, there was like Future Tourers or something. There was a Magna with a V8 in there that was getting in my way on some trace. <laughs> and it's just like, you know, what are we doing? Yeah. So the sponsor at that time was um, Tranovan. That was a big sponsor of mine. And the management team there were saying, you know, you really should be opening your eyes up and have a look across the paddock at V8 Supercars because it's going places this is not. So um, you need to look at that. So obviously the connection with Paul Morris through the Super Tourers, he mm -hmm. had the big Kev sponsorship and all that sort of stuff. Yep, known for his infamous um, big flame at Oran Park, which you were just oh, talking yeah. on before. Yeah, 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 with the crash on the start line. Yeah. So oh. around that time as well. So he would have been, yeah, we're going with you to Supercars. Yeah, well, he'd set up the... I think he had a foot in both camps. And I was talking to him about an opportunity or what should I do and so on and so forth. When he had that crash, I was in the tower with Barry Oliver commentating for the round. Yeah. He pulled me up on that as an aside because I've seen the crash and that was my first real commentary thing. And I thought, oh, shit, and this is over the... <laughs> <laughs> this is at Oran Park, yeah, you know what I mean? Over the, yeah, yeah, <laughs> of course, people over the back can't see and they see all this black smoke and me going, oh, shit. Anyway, yeah, Barry wasn't happy about that. But, but, but Paul said, look, you've got money. These are the bill. Yep. And come and play at Bathurst in the in the VS, I think it was. And he teamed me up with Owen Kelly. Who went up to a bit in NASCAR yeah, in the States. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Owen was very quick. Great yeah. guy. Yeah, look, I, I think at the end of the day, looking back now and a little enough time has passed, I think that entry was in there purely to get the tyre bank. So that, you know, enter the car, here's a truck full load of yeah, tyres for right. the for the entry. At this point, there was the tyre wall going on, yeah, wasn't there? Yeah, yeah. How well, many tyre wall, like how many tyres were involved in supercars back then? Oh, well, I think at that stage it had gone to one manufacturer. Yep. That's that's where I'm leading. And, and per round, you got six tyres or something. And maybe you got two to test on or something like that. Yep. So Paul, Paul's no dope. And I think putting that entry in gave him, as I say, 10 sets of tyres or whatever it was. Yep. Uh, and the car was, if it makes it, great. And if it doesn't, well, we're not worried because we've we've got the tyre bank. And I did the warm-up. We drew straws who'd start and all that sort of stuff. I drew the straw for the warm-up and I could tell the diff was going in the warm-up. <laughs> I came in and said, it's, 
it's not happy. It's got a wine in it. No one seemed too keen to dive under and do anything about it. <laughs> you were just the you were just the the, the poor entry on the yeah, end. Yeah, this is another Pete Best special. It's going to shit by, <laughs> as we watch. And, a, um, and yeah, a field filler, as they call. That's it. Yeah, so a field filler. That was my yeah. first Bathurst. And my only Bathurst V8 Supercar 1000, and we were the first car out. I think it was lap three. Yeah, right. Did you have posters and stuff for that one, or were you just like literally a field filler? And your back then there was about 64 cars on the grid or 54. There was no posters. No I posters? I no. didn't even get a big Kev suit. I really? Had my, nah, I had my own suit. and I was driving a Suzuki in the production car race as well, so I was double duties so double again. double duties again. Yeah, yeah supercar okay. to a so, Suzuki. So in a way, you're making the most of Bathurst. You realise that you're driving a shitbox in one category and making the most Mate, out of another category. I'd drive the medical car if I could get into that as well. If Any, any lap at Mount Panorama is a, a good one. That's a true racer. That is a true <laughs> racer. Drive the medical car. Yeah, yeah, I'll have a crack at it. All the, all the, all the pace car, whatever's going. Oh, I, I pretty much said similar to my girlfriend over lockdown. I said, listen, I need to just drive something. I'd literally would just drive up and down the beach because we were in lockdown in the beaches yep, and I'd just yep. drive her car up and down the beach just to not feel so depressed. So yeah, I totally yeah, understand yeah. by driving something. Oh, all, <laughs> you know, all I do is drive. But Yeah, um, yeah so that was... 2000 but I was sold I suppose on the on the V8 I mean they're very addictive mm. you know and uh, but a lot of money and that's when I bumped into for the 2001 series was Terry Steer we did a deal there with RPM Motorsport and got into the ex-Canto EL yeah okay but I must go back go if I may it. so 99 was the breakout year for me yep okay so we've got the Super Tourer and it's going well and I did a deal to be uh, in a Suzuki at Mount Panorama in 99 in the GTP three hour, which I'd won the year before in a Suzuki. Get up there and I've got BOC. I was working for them at the time doing driver training. I think a couple of grand, Mm -hmm. something like that. And I had a bit of Tronovan money and a bit of Riemann, blah, blah, blah. So I think it added about five grand for a Suzuki, which is about the freight to to run a Suzuki in the three hour back in the day, you know. The deal's gone south. Some other dudes put more on the table. I'm out of a gig. So it's 1999, the Bathurst 1000 weekend. I've already run the Super Tour Race. race. Yep. And I'm keen to be in something, but there was no opening anywhere. So somebody, I can't remember who it was. I should remember and thank them because they said, look, <laughs> Owen Kelly, his deal's gone belly up with Jamie Cartwright and they've got a Supra going. And this is like Wednesday or something, you know, like it's late in the day. Yeah. And this is just before Bathurst is rolling into to town, essentially. Well, they're already on set up and everything. It's Wednesday. Yep. So they're already set up. Everything's done. Practices tomorrow sort of a deal. So you're trying to get your name essentially on a door. Well, yeah, I was coming in basically to drive a Suzuki, which I was told I had to drive for, and it had been five grand cash. Mm. And, of course, someone's – so I've been gazumped. I'm out of a gig. So I'm wandering around, like I said, like an an idiot with five grand cash in my pocket trying to buy a drive in something. Someone says, go see Cartwright. Anyway, so I go over, and here's this Supra, twin turbo GT. It's in the – the production race or nations cup, well, I don't know yeah. what they called it. GTP, yeah, they were GTP. doing that. They were doing a bit of both at this point. Yeah, well, yeah, it was yeah. morphing into into the yeah. future. Yeah, you know, and I thought, man, you know, couldn't it be really happening that I could go from a Suzuki last year into a into a Supra, like you know. Yeah. Anyway, deal was done because Frank Lowndes was running it. So yeah. Frank said, "Look, I know him from Super Tourers. Give him a go. Money changes hands. Here we go again into pit lane. Get in the car, and you know, yeah. how's this thing work and." All the rest. And I said, Frank, yeah, what do I do here? Yeah, how do you start the thing? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, and and Frank, we've ended up very good mates, you know, yeah. and he said, look, the way I've built this car is just get through the corner that you don't crash it. As soon as you're comfortable that it's in a straight line, just give it everything it's got and get to the next corner and dribble through the next corner. And, and that the strength of the car is its horsepower. Twin turbo, you know, six-cylinder, you know, super thing and, you know, blah, blah, blah. 
and and it had the frank touch, so it was it was. Mm. So he's pretty much essentially telling you at this point, you got to drive it smooth and just around point, Bathurst point and, fire. and don't hit the wall. <laughs> so I think the Super Tour has taught me to um, get maximum out of the corner because obviously Formula V, there's a bit of a history there. V's, Formula Fords, Ford, yeah, yeah, yeah. Super yeah. Tour, the Suzuki. That's, if you exactly, wash, that's why I like racing Formula Ford now. Yeah, it's as just, you know, yeah, if you yeah. wash off speed or make a blunder, you, you haven't got that horsepower to sort of just get you back into the gig you know you once you lose a two car length on a, on a corner you, you're not going to get that back so anyway i get in this super and off we go it's practice one and i'm just doing what frank said i'm just pulling gears and through the corner and up over the top of the hill and it handled perfect it's the only car like i said go back i'm not an engineer yep. i've had lots of engineers and i'm not great like jb can say give me two pound in the left rear a little bit of sway bar on the front nick up that right shock and bang there's a second I just go, mate, it understeers on turning. I've got no idea. If you can fix it, great. <laughs> so, Talking about that, with me, I've had Bart Moore come on and teach me. Oh, I yep. pretty much have had a similar yep. way of doing things. So Bart Moore has taught me a lot about car control and obviously brake bias and all sorts of things. Setting so, it up. Yeah, setting it up. So, yeah, I was so pretty much – it works much, for you. Yeah, I was pre- when, I, when you rang me the other day when I mm, came yeah, second yeah. in the supercars race yep. – he was teaching me about brake bias in the wet while I was out while there. So out. I was kind of like you too. I was like, fuck, I hope I get this right yeah, by yeah. the end of the race. Turn it left. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. So you, so obviously back then you've, you know, you're learning on the go. You're mm. not doing like what JB's doing. And yeah, so this is the turning point in your career. Yeah, pretty much. And, and things are taking off. The sponsors are happy and all the rest. So I was getting this super and we've done a couple of laps and Frank um, pulls me in and he says, are you comfortable? And, you know, because it wasn't cut loose, just get in the groove. And I said, oh, look, it's great everywhere down into Forest Elbow. It's just understeering a little bit. And um, he got under there, obviously gave it a little bit of a tweak on the shock, which I presume was probably rebound. So I'm coming off the brake into Forest Elbow and the front's springing up and getting that understeer on the turn in. So he's just, just secured the car a little better. Went out. It's one of the only times I've had someone do a little tweak and I noticed it as a driver straight away. This thing now sticks. And over the radio, he said, yeah, we'll see what she's got. Let's go, you know. Anyway, did a couple of laps. Next thing, you know, the old man's on the radio. Bring that bloody car in, rah, 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 ranting and raving and all the rest. I bring the super in. I thought, what have I done? You know, <laughs> <laughs> I've overrevved it. They've got data or something. Yeah. Anyway, and it's all commotion. Drag me out of the car. Jamie's in and off he goes. I'm thinking, what What happened? You know, what yeah. happened then? Yeah, you're just and, confused and flustered. Well, the old man's gone, I'll tell you what happened. Look at the totem pole. Me, you know, the <laughs> yeah, one yeah, 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 And yeah. we were number two, I think. And I've gone, oh, shit. You know, <laughs> I said, I'm sorry, but I wasn't even trying. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, as a driver, that when yeah. you don't overdrive the car, and that was as fast as it probably went all weekend because I just took it to the limit but didn't push it beyond it, and it was fast. Yeah. And the thing was a jet and a straight line. It was a great race. Anyway, we finished. We should have won it. Jamie went right through to the two hours in the in the Super and uh, – came in to hand over to me and um, as as you do a bit of an experience, he just drifted well past the stop point and uh, the boys jacked it up in haste and then the fuel line wouldn't reach it. So we came in with like <sighs> Gussed. a yeah, nine or ten second lead and yep. by the time they did the tyres, dropped it, rolled it back, fueled it, we came out in fifth. Bugger. And for those who can remember, you know, I caught, I think it was an M3 and I was catching Wayne Park who was in a Ferrari yeah, three. He was bloody quick back in his day, Wayne Park. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they're on the radio saying... Third's on the table. You mm. keep pushing, push, 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 push. And then, uh, for those who do know, yeah, he mm. lost it up coming under the tree and up over the top of the hill there at Mount Panorama and belted it into the wall and the thing caught fire and blew up. Fuck. Yeah, yeah, it was a big <laughs> one. So you can look at that on YouTube. She's a doozy. That was a big crash. And uh, But when you drive past it, you're sort of like, 
wow, you know, but that was a bit of a, a precursor, I suppose, to some of the stuff that was to come with, yeah. you know, drivers. Um, yeah, Bathurst. Yeah. Yeah. And that, 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 that Bathurst bites, obviously. If you get it wrong, it bites. So that was, for you, that was that was the race that got away. Is that, is that correct? Yeah, yeah, like, we that's the won one. That. Yeah. You always have that one race that you're like, I really should have tried a bit more harder or, you know, oh, we could have worked better as a team there. Yeah, it got away. I mean, it happens to everybody. And I remember going up the stairs, you know, we finished third and mm. Mark Williamson, a very good friend of mine, and he was with Terry Bozenjack in the Mazda RX-7 SP. That was like one stop, no tyres. The thing just ran all day. And we're all walking up the steps and I've gone, he was in front of me. I said, Willow, how'd you go? Where, what are you doing here? And he's gone, I won. What are you doing here? And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> I'll never live it down. Still haven't. <laughs> But it was oh, great, too. I've got to say, from a from a kid who wanted to be a Formula One driver, if there's, um, you know, the top three moments, there's the top three worst cars, there's the top three moments. Mate, to stand on that, not everyone gets to do it, and whether it's a class winner or a Bathurst winner or whatever, but to stand on that hallowed balcony there yeah, and look out over the sea of people at Bathurst and, and yeah. spray champagne off the top balcony, and um, even if it was third and getting interviewed by Gary Wilkinson and all that, you're going like, oh, well, this is just, this is pinch me, I'm dreaming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so that that cemented the, if you can call it a career, there was no way I was going back to a job. Yeah, that was that. And that's that's exactly what race car drivers do. They, they want to keep chasing that, you know, that adrenaline and keep going. It's an addiction. It is an addiction. This is my next point. So now, at this point, you're obviously... Have done a bit of supercars. You did that. We were talking yep. about the Paul Morris thing before. You raced a bit of like a few of Larry Perkins' cars in Super Two or what? Conica Minolta, what I think it was back then. Or yeah, Fujitsu it's, series. It's had many names. Yeah, yeah, yep. it's had so many names. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Um, so back then, what was it? Two thousand two, two thousand three. You're just getting into your supercars career here. Two thousand and one, I drove for Terry Steer, and I got punted off by Dave Parsons at Lakeside, and it's not the place you want. You don't have a small accident at Lakeside, and it was a big hit. Yeah, that knocked me around that crash and confidence wise and everything else and I stepped out of it were you hurt by that point yeah or were you yeah well not, look not permanently I was out like a light and um, yeah that was when the Holden Ford rivalry I was sort of Know? And there yeah. was beer cans coming over the fence from Holden fans. <laughs> and I remember the marshal saying, if you don't back up, I'm going to unload the extinguisher into the crowd. Like, yeah, up, right. You know? income. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so she was full on. But that was 01. 02, I drove with Colin Osborne and a Salika going back into the production cast. Yep. Right. Yep. And so then, you're still going back between the two, obviously. Oh, you're doing a bit of both. Yeah. And that was the, the fault line in the career. I put it. I, I should have stuck with V8s uh, and gone on. But, you know, I suppose I doubted, being honest, I, I doubted my own ability in that field. If I had a Frank Lowndes next to me dialing the car in, but, you know, I mean, V8s, people don't understand until you've done it that, mm. you know, it's take no prisoners. Don't, make no mistake, these guys are probably the best in the world at driving those cars. We've seen Formula One drivers come over and yeah. people with vast experience, and they struggle driving. They are not easy to drive. Yeah. And when the field's separated by such a small amount, well, you know, when the engineer says to you, right, well, you're approaching Skyline and you're doing 230k an hour, you need to break 15 metres later. And you go, mate, I, I'm seeing the gates of hell now. Like, <laughs> you want me to go 15 metres, three car lengths later? <laughs> so you go up there and you try to do what the engineer has said to yeah. do and you think you've done it. Yeah. And your eyes are like dinner plates at this point. You're you like, think, oh, I my God, I've got to go later. And you stand on it and it's all ugly off the top of the hill and you... You charge down and you think you've done all right. You cross the line and the number comes up on the dash and you think he's going to kill me. <laughs> like I've picked up point one of a second or whatever it is yeah, and yeah, they, yeah. they're looking for a chunk and you've you haven't delivered and 
you know, at the end of the day, that's that's why my phone never rang in in August with looking for a co-driver for Mount Panorama because people either thought I didn't have the money or I couldn't drive the bloody thing. Yeah. I suppose so. Well, you certainly did drive a lot on a budget, and you've proven mm. a lot, and you are the man of the privateers. I'd yeah, say. You're, you're, the, you're the founder <laughs> of the privateer ranks. Well. It- yeah, you've just, just done so much, and we're at this point. So you've obviously you're driving a bit of a few Holdens, the Commodores. You've you've fenced mm. one at Lakeside. Yeah, fenced the Falcon at Lakeside. Yeah. What Had are the teams? What are the teams that you raced for in your supercar career? So I can touch on them later. Well, the first was Paul Morris in the big Kev car. Then there was Terry Steer, which was RPM Motorsport. Yep. And then um, Howard Racing picked me up. Yeah. That was in 04. That was a Falcon. Wasn't that was it? a Falcon. Then I started. Uh, then I did 05 with. Uh, Jay Verdnick and his his little operation with Mike Quinn. Oh six, I started my own McGill Motorsport, and that was that was it. That so was it so before that before that started, what was probably your top two teams I'll go for before leading into your own supercar operation? Uh, yeah, it would it'd be who was who was the ones that you had most fun with? You know, go out for a beer. Go out for a crazy night. What are you, you asking? What was the teams? Because there's always those teams in the paddock that like to have a wild night. What was what was the, you know, well, after yeah, a race the, weekend? The who team, was the, it was probably my team, but yeah. um, <laughs> I'd have to say the stuff that went on in Verdnick's team because Garth Walden was coming up through the ranks and we we're very good mates. I could tell some stories here. Hi to Garth, I won't. But um, <laughs> there, was a, there was a particular race at Phillip Island. We partied pretty hard the night before. Before the meeting? Before Saturday qualifying and all the rest of the stuff. And, you know, I was a bit dusty. but uh, For qualifying the next day? qualifying, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, let's not go there. <laughs> there wasn't, a, there wasn't yeah. a real healthy mechanic around the traps at that stage working on my car. I knew that. but uh, Yeah, right. Yeah, so, that, they were good days. So Jay great. Verdnick was probably your top team. How would Mark Howard is actually around in Supercuffs for quite a while? Even his sons raced Formula Ford. Great remember. guy, great guy. Do you? If hopefully, if he does listen to this, what was your feeling around his team? Do you reckon his team could have even made the Supercar main game? Yeah, at that absolutely. Point? I mean, obviously, he had um, he had Cam McLean was the main gun driver. There was Mark Howard. They gave me another AU to to punt around in. They had the right personnel. Uh, and, and they were a great team. As far as mentoring, they made you feel at home, and that worked really, really well. And, it, and I couldn't match Cam McLean for speed. I was quicker than Mark mm. on occasion. So, yeah, but that that was another occasion where I was sort of sending the message to me, either the car isn't what Cam, Cam McLean's got under his bum or I'm not. I'm not there. I, I, you know, we're, yeah. we're, we're talking yeah. half a second, you know what yeah. I mean? But you're having fun at this point. You're just going, oh, I'm living the dream. So for you, was was like, was trophies the main goal? Because I know a lot of kids these days, if they don't win, they cry and have a whinge and nah. they just they, they pack up their bags and they're not interested in racing. So for you as a privateer, was it all about that adrenaline, that like that feeling? Is that why you've stayed in the sport so long? Good question. In, in hindsight, I've probably looked at it that... I fell into the trap of going to Mount Everest and making base camp and thinking I'd made it and not getting to the summit. It's one thing to make it into V8s or whatever sport you've chosen. Getting into that, you tend to relax. Not relax, but I've made it. And and from a guy where I started from, from a Formula V under a tarp in a grass front yard, getting into supercars with my own team, and and I didn't have a job. I didn't have a job for 18 years, a real job. Mm. I was doing driver training and and sponsors and which we've spoken of yeah. before. If you need yeah, off the air, yeah, two hundred and fifty grand to run the season. Well, you tried to get three hundred and you you're paying yourself fifty grand a year to be a professional motor racer. And you know, there's probably not many people in V8 supercars, any of the categories, mm. uh, you know, one, two, or three that are professional racing drivers. Yeah, and that and that was the motivation. Once I tasted that, pretty much you just didn't want to have a real job. Which, it, to be honest, mate, in supercar circles, yeah, it. you yeah. know, mate, I, yeah, it was up jog, exercise, shower, 
on the phone or you know and, and do that or off to sponsor meetings or, or harbour crew whatever was going at the time as part of the deals golf days test day no that's a lie I've never done a test day ever I thought you were saying never done a golf day no, no <laughs> nev- never ever once have not done one single test day yeah, yeah, right. Fair dinkum. So yeah. that was you just straight into it and away you go. Yeah, basically. Because I didn't have the money, number one, but I knew that I didn't have the knowledge. We just go out and put fuel in it and, and t- put tires on it and have a Yeah, have a drop crack. the tire pressures, crank up this or whatever. And I thought, well, I'm, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm trying to achieve. Yes, go faster, but I don't know how to make it go faster. Yeah, yeah. No, I totally understand. So, yeah, we're getting to the, you know, the end, of, end of the podcast here. You know, you've set up McGill Motorsport from all this stuff you've told me before. Um, I've seen photos online of you pretty much literally working in your car with your garage, pretty much similar <laughs> to when you first started with your mum, you know, you're yeah, the yeah, out yeah. the front lawn with a yep. with a tarp on it and stuff like that. But yeah, so you've got the, you pretty much started your racing team out of your garage. How did you, you know, stitch together a whole team at this point to get as far as you did now, like towards the end of your yeah. supercar career? We, we had a lot of fun. You know, like I, I like a party, but you know, a lot yeah. of the race teams. I mean, I, Luke Yildon was my teammate through the HPM electrical days in 07. Yep. And he just did his first supercar start a few, yeah, few yeah, weeks yeah. ago. Yeah, he did two starts, yeah. So were you proud for him when he did that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, Luke probably wouldn't remember me from the deep, dark past, but, you know, yeah. we gave him a free ride for the year in the HPM to lead the team because I, I needed someone who could win races. And, and that was an eye-opener for me, Dan, because, I mean, I, I was running around doing sponsor things, shaking hands, and if you've got tomato sauce for the lunch, there's everything under control. As we're leading into an on-track session, Luke's in in the front of the transporter listening to whale music doing stretches and yoga and some damn thing and I think you having a stroke man or what's going on you know like no it's race prep and he's twisting his back and doing, doing, did a, doing a bit of Pilates man just pull your element on and go man you know <laughs> you just come in with a pie and, pie and yeah, a can yeah, of coke yeah yeah exactly exactly you know if I don't smoke but that's that, yeah, the, yeah. the classic James Hunt yeah. but I mean what I saw from that was the commitment to be where he was going That that's that's the commitment that, that needed to happen and um, I tried the whale music and yoga I wasn't any faster so I don't bother with it anymore I'd done track walks as well they didn't work for me all you see is shit you're going to hit yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so with McGill Motorsport you've had that was HPM mm. um, the bright yellow car yeah, you've, yeah, um, yeah. Oh, who else have you had as a sponsor you've had a Porto Battery World you've gone through like a shitload of decent sponsors yeah, like well, you you've look promoted the- them you promoted them quite well. Brought a few into the category. You look at the shell cars now, and on the rear wings, DXC Technologies. Well, I introduced them to the sport. And what happens sometimes, they say, look, we want to go big. We love you. Mm. We want to go bigger, but you just can't provide you, that. You can't get us where we want to be. And you go, no, it's all cool, man. You know, you go do what you want to do. And you see Ream Hot Water on the um, on the shell cars. Well, yep. you know, they dabbled with the race racing on and off with me for many, many years. And Sharp was there. We had Sharp as well. It's anyone and everyone. So out of all your favourite supercars that you've driven, which is your favourite one? Was it a Larry Perkins car? Was it an AU Falcon? Was it the last Super 2 car that you ever drove? Is there any particular car that you remember and you're like, shit, I wish I could keep... Yeah, that you're fond of, that you wish you could could have kept? Probably the Verdnick VX. Yeah, okay. Because I think that was Russell's. Might have Russell been, Ingalls. Yeah, it was Ingalls' car. I think it was P38. I can't remember. But it was just a nice car. It didn't excel at anything other than getting off the line. Man, that thing used to hook up. You'd pick up two rows. It was great. None of this on the rev limiter. I just worked out that if you just gave it a little bit like a road car and just slipped the clutch, and it'd just hook up and just and go. It was brilliant. <laughs> so, and it was just a nice car. Well built. Larry's cars always are. They're easy to work on, the guys tell me, you know, because everything's... Larry builds it so... Did with, you ever get to talk to him? Larry? Yeah. 
<laughs> not about the cars. Larry yeah. did line me up when on that first Bathurst race at um, in, with Paul Morris. He, he caught me coming out of the cutting, and it was raining, and I moved right over to the right and took the mirror off on the wall, and he took the one off on the left. <laughs> um, and then proceeded to come into the garage when we were having the debrief, oh, and it's like, who was driving that? And Morris had seen this shit before, because that was Larry, you know. Yeah. So obviously during the race, he puts the fear of God into you. So that yeah. when you see the, the Castrol Perkins windscreen, you get out of his way. So, yeah. He was a feisty bugger, wasn't he? he yeah. always, his team yeah. always wanted to get to the front. So you've... You loved the Russell Ingle car. Yeah, that was a good car. When was the time when you were like, you know what, I should just throw away the Super 2 supercars thing and just have it got, you know, what you're in now? What you're TCM? Wearing? TCM, yeah. Johnny, Johnny Bowers, um, John retired. He, he guided me with the HPM stuff through 07. So John retired about 05. Oh, you'd have to look it up. But he left Brad Jones, retired, started the um, TCM stuff. And he was coming down and catching up with me and saying, man, you've got to get out of this Super 2 stuff. This is fun. Mega fun. And I went, oh, I still want to drive a supercar, man. You know, yeah. there's a lot of yada, yada, yada. And the, I think what you're asking, the crossroads for me came in when um, the Gen 2 cars were coming into Super 2. So there was Altimas and, you know, Mercedes and all this. So if you wanted to keep up, you had to buy another car. And the price was well up on what I was going to be able to pull for sponsorship. They were becoming spaceships. You had yeah. to be a nerdy dude to yeah. work I, on them. I remember what coming to Homebush and seeing you in the pits like those mm. cars back then as you were saying they were just getting more and more high tech to yeah. that point how was it racing around Homebush because I never got to race around there was it around, did you man. find it fun or did you just find it frustrating because it was just in the middle of no, Olympic Park I, I, I've got stories mate we could go for months but I mean yeah no Homebush I didn't like it wasn't a great track there was nothing special about it it was just like a bland girlfriend you know she was <laughs> always there whatever <laughs> but probably one of my best races I've ever had was it must have been 11, 10 or 11. I'd been to see a company about sponsorship in yep. the weeks leading in and I came out of the meeting, bucketing rain, just one of those summer showery type things. I, they were setting the track up. I thought, I'll just wait here to see how quick this dries, you know, where the water runs and da-da-da-da-da. And it bled off really quick. Fast forward to the race meeting. Those who know that the event, they would think I didn't have money for wets. I had wets. <laughs> and I'm looking at it, it's raining. Yeah. And everyone's going, wets. Yeah. And I thought, you know, the radar, yeah, everything's yeah. pointing toward this isn't going to last. And I, I, think, I do that. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, I love driving in the wet. You know? Same here. Yeah, I love it too. Yeah, the less grip, the better. Love when it. When you can't see, I love it. <laughs> yeah, done that many times. Gets but your I, heart rate up. Oh, drive by Braille. But, <laughs> you know, the, I'd seen what the track does. I decided that I'll take a punt and we put some used slicks on the thing, some real dodgy yep. slicks, <laughs> and we, we headed out and uh, I had zero grip for about three laps. In those days, I think it was 18 laps or something around there. You know, and, the, and you had time, that's the key to it. And it did stop raining and, you know, long story short, I just every ripple strip you hit in the rain, the car would not climb the strip, it would move the car across the yeah, roadway yeah. two feet. You know, it didn't yeah, it have the grip. Skate. It would yeah, skip across. It would aquaplane. So I kept hitting them and I'm thinking, this is a mistake and everyone's gone. They're just, I can't even see them. They are dead set, long gone, mm. you know. So you come onto the main straight and all you see is just misty spray, but they've gone. And then I was about the third or fourth lap, I hit the ripple strip over the back there through the chicane and it stood up on the chicane. It actually climbed the, and then it did it the next one. And then you just found yeah. there was a little bit more grip and we went from stone motherless like 500 metres behind everybody. And I think we were up to fifth at 
with with and I lost it in the last couple. Was of this times. the weekend where Jonathan Webb won and everyone hit the fence? Yeah, that was the I year. That was, yeah, yeah, that was that was the most craziest home bush. I totally agree. Yep. That was my favourite home, yep. bush, home bush. It was great. Yeah, yeah. So you're up to past. fifth. So yeah, you're yeah, up to fifth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember the the telecast was all on YouTube, of course, and I mm. think it was um, Davy Russell was. Um, you know, if he finished in whatever position he was in, he'd finish third in the championship or second or something, or yeah. win it, I don't know. But he's on wets and it's all yeah. arms and legs trying to hang on to this thing that won't handle and I'm on the slicks and, you know, just... Yeah. I, I didn't know that. But, you know. Everyone's thinking you're a bloody genius. Oh, I had fun, man. I was just pulling out of corners and going to the inside and feeding it gears and passing <laughs> Andrew Jones and bloody, you you're know. Just waving them by. Yeah, McLaughlin, whoever else. Doesn't matter, you know. See you later, boys. It was great. It was really wow. good fun. And, and I mean, there's a family thing. I had my son on the radio and he was in tears because it was... Your fifteenth, Dad. Dad, you're you're twelfth, and there's eight laps there. Dad, you've you know, I'm yeah. going shut up. Oh, that, that is a funny one around the the dinner table, and we we reminisce on that. And I said, just fuck, I said, yeah, shut up, uh, and let me drive. You know, because as you know, let me in focus, the, yeah. man, you're a whisker from binning it. And, oh yeah, and, and we couldn't afford to bin it, but um, yeah. That was your moment at home, Bush. Yeah, it was a good one. It. Yeah, enjoyed that. Yeah. So, obviously, yeah, you were talking about TCM. We're mm. getting to the end of this podcast now. Um, you've only just gotten the start in it, so it's, I think it's obviously before COVID. 2018-19. Yeah, yeah. John Bauer got you into it, right? Into, Pretty much into TCM. Into yeah. yeah. You can kind of see that from yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. people on Facebook and, and what you're watching. He's a fan. <laughs> he loves TCM. Yep. Um, so, yeah, what got you involved in it and what was the car that, that you were going to drive and so on? I'd sold the supercar and the guy bought, like, it was well used and the sponsors, not knocking Battery World or anything, but they went another direction and there wasn't a lot of money and I had to get out of it pretty quick, so it went cheap. So the money that I had in my hand to go racing again wasn't enough because I retired in 15 out of supercars and I wanted to jump straight in, couldn't do it, so I spent a few years, put some money together and Doug Westwood Mm. rang me and he had the car that I've got which is the XY that Glenn Seaton crashed at Bathurst in whenever it was and it had been stripped out new cage rebuilt but not put together and I think he just lost a bit of interest and so on and so forth and decided you know to move it on and, and the price was right but it was a kit it was an undercoat car with 35 Nilex boxes full of shit <laughs> and, and, and you know you put it together so I can't obviously I've told you my, my expertise but I took a punt bought it and um, my my new partner then sort of you know worked with me. We we got onto some guys that I uh, over the years of motor racing called up the band and people who would come on board. And um, you were telling me out. actually off air on the, obviously on a phone call that mm. um you're finding the most frustrating part of supercars at the point as a privateer was you know the VIP boxes and stuff like that because oh, because it's obviously gone from you know a barbecue some meat and beer on a hill to a bloody yeah, VIP yeah. box that well, everyone's trying to hire anyway it ties in with what you're saying before about the sport and the business and you know call mm. it the greed or whatever you like so you weren't allowed they wouldn't let you have at the back of your transporter they would say safety but i think it's bullshit you know you couldn't just set up your easy up and have a couple of tables have 10 guests with pit passes and they can hang around the pits and have a barbecue and some salad and whatever, and they can mm. blah, blah, blah. No, not allowed to do that. You got, you want them, you've got to be in a grandstand. Well, you're not going to do that because they, yeah, they're that's just the a, general public. They're just the general side. public. So, yeah. as I said to you on the, on the phone, you know, we were we geared it around Homebush because mm. we just pulled everything in that. Oh, sorry, Adelaide. We'd yep. start with Adelaide. We finished with Homebush. But the money was always gone mm. by the time you got to Homebush. And as I said to you, you know, we are like on Thursday, Friday before race week going, we need 30 grand for 500 bucks a head, X amount of people, what are we going to do? And I never enjoyed Homebush because it was literally, literally, I kid you not, 22 hours on the phone, 
emails. Jesus. Ringing anywhere, trying to get sponsors, trying to sell tables. I don't know how you focused on racing itself with all that shit. No, nah, I probably would have gone half reasonable if I wasn't doing all the other shit. <laughs> 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 yeah, because it was it was literally, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm at that stage of my career, yeah, in tears in the truck. Because you're just stressing out so much and you're like, I'm trying to impress my sponsors, but supercars are Well, they're at the hard. gate. Yeah, okay. It's nine o'clock. They're at the gate. I think we had three tables at 10. So there's 30 people at the gate. They don't have passes because I need to give supercars, whatever it was, 15 grand a day or whatever Mm. for the corporate suite. So until I put money in their hand, they wouldn't give me the tickets to get the people in the door. Fuck, no wonder you're in tears. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So the day before you're looking at it and you you need 15, you've got eight, and you think, well, where are we going to get it? You know, And you're just pulling deals left, right and centre and selling rides for a ride day next year and and all that sort of just, if you pay now, I'll give you an extra 10 rides and just wheeling and dealing, just trying... but we did it. We got them in every day. And I had a massive blue with, I won't say who, but, but because at the end a of it all. massive blue with Mr. X. Mr. X. Mr. Yeah. X, because we'd finished the race. It was that one where I nearly won the race. I'd come through the field. I've gone over. They are just going off. The joint was like, you know, I thought I was going to win. So they yeah. thought we were going to win. Everything's happening. Shaking hands. I go to get a glass of champagne. Oh, no, the, the bar's shut. Fair dinkum. Yeah, yeah, and I've gone. I've just parted with forty odd grand or whatever for this yeah. weekend. I've been out there blazing away, and you're not going to open that padlock to give me a glass of champagne. champagne. Yeah, so that escalated, and I didn't win. Wow, didn't win. Did not get the glass of champagne. So that left a a, a, a sour taste in your mouth. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I tended to avoid corporate sweets yeah. know, from then on. I don't, I don't blame you at all. I prefer the beer and the steak anyway. On the Most blokes, the it depends on your sponsor. But, I mean, yeah. if you're talking about plumbers and brickies and painters or trade guys, that's what they want to do. They want to be in the back of the pits, seeing the wheels change. And that's and where most of the sponsorship does come from. You've actually brought, as you said, a lot of sponsors into the category, into motorsport mm. in Australia itself, right? So yep. a lot of those sponsors are batteries, um, you know, fuel, all sorts of stuff, right? Yeah, yep. But, yeah, obviously it depends on who they are. So well, you've got to look at, I mean, that's another story, but, I mean, you know, the sponsors, you've got to look at who's watching the stuff and I mean typically now with supercars it's it's flannelette shirts anything from 30 years and up they can talk all they like it it's the kids but the kids are coming with those guys they've been dragged along I don't think they're asking to go yeah, oh, I'm wearing a flannelette shirt. Yeah, now, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> if I have a kid, am I dragging? But I mean, I just targeted anything other than oils. Everyone's been to Castrol. Everyone's been to yada yada yada. I mean, I tried funeral parlors. You know, I mean, Tronoven was a prostate enlargement. You try and get herbal. To try and get condom companies and stuff. Like that. Yeah, been there, done that. What about you can name companies. Porn websites. No. No, okay. You didn't go that far. I was just trying to go from one to 100 here. Well, no, no, no. Well, you've got to look after your other sponsors. So you can't yeah. have Battery World and Ducks Hot Water and anything and say, oh, I've just, guess what? I've just pulled here. Yeah, Pornhub's on the, <laughs> yeah, car, on the back yeah, of the car. Yeah, they might be, it might be a bit uh, perturbed about that. But look, you know, you had to work the sponsorship and give them a lot more than what they, you had to value add. At the end of the day, you're a midfield privateer at best. You're not going to win anything. Like I've, I never won a bloody thing in supercars. No faster slaps, no pole positions. So there's not a lot there to entice them to come on board other than if you sponsor us for pick a figure, 100 grand, but we'll do two golf days, one in Melbourne, one in Sydney. We'll do a driver training day. We'll give you 10 rides at the end of the year at our Christmas party and we'll do... So they go, well, for 100, we're going to get all this stuff, which deletes from the race team itself. But it just meant I just needed more sponsors. Lots of them. You know, we, we'd have 20, 25 sponsors. You were just touching on moments that you've said, oh, yeah. like no podiums and all that all type that, of stuff. Yeah. All that stuff that you just said then. What is your most memorable moment in car racing to date? Good or bad? 
Actually, you know what? Both. Bad is collectively the three deaths. There was Stewie McCullough was behind. There was um, um, Porter up at Bathurst and, and Ashley Cooper in Adelaide. But rolling past at a slow pace past that, it just hits home the reality that what we do is very dangerous and mm. um, people don't... People they, don't realise it. Nah. You look at social media and it's, oh, this guy's a dickhead and scafey this and someone else and lounge and blah, blah, and someone else, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, I mean, speak cafe comments. Is your all that sort of yeah, shit. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. The armchair warrior. And I mean, you know, there's lots of people who've been for rides in a supercar, but a, a ride isn't in a field of 25 cars. of yeah. them and you've, you're, you're tapping the guy in front and the guy behind you is up your ass and... You know, you know he's quicker, and as you approach skyline, you know he's going to go 15 metres later than you, mm. and he's in your boot lid. So you know that if I lift, he's not expecting me to, so he's going to shove me off the track, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So yeah, yeah, that's the downside. So, so, so those those three deaths that you saw mm. in person on mm. the track was definitely a wake up to reality, and you were thinking, you know what, I've got a son, I've got a family here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, My you, daughter with Stewie McCall was crying. She was only about seven, and the next day she was balling her eyes out and hanging on to my leg as I was walking out of the motel room. Don't go, Daddy. You're going to die, Daddy, and all this sort of stuff. And you go, and I was on pole. That yeah, wasn't supercars. Okay. That was in produ- uh, production. Cars. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, with Garth Walden. And he'll tell you that story. That was a very somber day to, to get back in a race car after you've seen that. And even the biggest one was Mark Porter, I suppose. You know, mm. I, I didn't because both guys were in the fence and not well. It was obvious to anyone on the track driving past. And that night took some real soul searching to go back and get in the car the next day and go back out and do it again. But have you ever had any of those moments where you've just thought, like, especially that moment, but other moments where you're like, you know, I'll just skip this weekend? Around those times where you're like, literally, like, were you just Only like driving? Times. Were you driving tentatively back then? You know what I mean? Driving on eggshells as opposed to before that had happened. You know what um, I mean? Like, yeah, I, I didn't go well in either race following, mm-hmm. if that answers that question. Yeah, because I mean, you just. It's like footballers catch the football. Everyone goes, oh, yeah. they're, they're superhero state of origin. Well, you know, they're all walking off the paddock usually. Mm. You know, Even in cricket, you know, you get guys, you know, in other sports. Yeah, you're right. Getting it, hit it's and, it's hit. R- Yeah, it is rare. And thankfully, it's rare in motorsport, but it's right on your shoulder. Mm. You know, you pull a helmet on no matter even the thing you're driving, you know, mm. like anything. You pull a helmet on and go on a motor racing track and you're... Um, yeah, you're putting more on the line than a tennis player. That's for sure. So that that's the downside. The 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 worst. Yes, and I felt awkward about driving the car. Didn't mm. want to do it. Didn't do a good job. Ashley Cooper was the last race, so we just packed up and went. But I remember the next round at Wakefield, we were all a bit jittery. Yeah, about okay. about the and that was the round. There was a big like fifteen car pile up, and that wasn't fun being in that with all that on our mind. Did you was, do a moment of silence at the Wakefield race when when any of those crashes happened? Like, yeah. did, you, did, did the supercar community because I wasn't obviously there in, in the pits back yeah. then, but was there a bit of a moment of silence like a yeah yeah they did the that chaplain the, and stuff like that? Yeah. Gary Coleman Wakefield Park they did that, and and as a driver that never sits well. You know what I mean? Like I mean, there's all sorts of stories. People say oh, I didn't go to hospitals or funerals because I was a racing driver and blah blah blah. That's all bullshit. I think I mean you know they just weren't interested in who's died, but yeah, <laughs> you know <laughs> I think. <laughs> You know, it, it hits home. You just want to get on with it. You have enough drama as it is getting in the car and going and doing your thing. Well, that was me. And I you're paying all go. this money to, you know, put your life on the line. Yeah, a little bit. And you don't feel it. Like, I, I was I was scared about, I always frightened mm. at Bathurst. I think anyone who says, oh, no, I'm not frightened at all, I think they're lying. I mm. really do because that's it the attraction. It is fucking petrifying, that place. Oh, man. And especially when you're in a supercar where you've got sponsor pressure and stuff where... Everyone likes driving a racing car, but when you get to the top of the higher levels, you're at your limit, and you know you're at your limit, and the person, there's a team manager and an engineer, and they and the engineer says, you need to do more, mm. and the team manager says, well, we're not here to screw spiders, man, you're, you've got to go out and do it, and, and, and that's when the fun goes out of it, because... Mm. 
you're over your comfort, well, you're well out of your comfort zone. And you know that if I run out of talent here, it's going to be in the fence and, and a Chas Mostert style accident, you know? Yeah. I mean? And you either pull the numbers or you don't. And that, that separates the men from the boys. And, you know, I'm still still alive and sitting here. So, you know, I, I didn't make a habit of crashing too many cars. And now you're just enjoying your TCM days. Yeah, other than spinning down Conrod at bloody 280k <laughs> an hour, for, you know, and all that, that was a big one. Um, yeah, that, that that could have gone very wrong, you know, and that was, I blame myself for it, you know, because uh, I was trying to get past the Galaxy or whatever it is, a Mercury, and it was a big car, and um, I went uh, right to pass him on Conrod, first lap in that particular race, and um, he moved over, and he'd been doing it all weekend, which is fair, he blocked me. But I didn't know that Adam Bressington and the Camaro was, was breaking down, so he was probably doing 50k an hour down towards the chase. And we're doing 285. So I went right, he moves right, I thought, screw you. And I've just dived back hard left. I thought, yeah. I'll go around the outside. Mate, you want to go on the inside? I'll go around the outside of the chase with you, blow for blow. No drama. Typical you know? race car driver. Yeah, yeah, find yeah, the quickest way around the next out there, No drama at all. <laughs> I'll take my chances on the outside of the chase with you, you bonehead, you know. Um, <laughs> but as I popped out from behind it, obviously driver, I'm sitting on the right-hand side. There was a lot of car out, you know, in the, in the clean air mm. before I got a chance to see this Camaro coming at me. It, like, I, my first thought was, yeah, oh, fuck, fuck he stopped. Yeah. He stopped. Your natural reaction, you flick the wheel yeah. back and um, that just unsettled the car and yeah. I almost had it, but then it, it clipped the grass and the rest is history. The rest is toast. Look, so many what-ifs. You know, it could have tripped and rolled. God knows what would have happened because, I mean, it's not a supercar. It's a, it's a Falcon 500 with a cage in it, you know, so yeah. who knows what would have happened there and, uh, you know, God help both of us, me and because I mean, if I'd have cannon just frozen, locked up, and cannoned into the back of it, I mean, you know, he was full of fuel lap one. Could I'd have ended up in the orchard because yeah. it would have launched. There's no way it would and would not yeah. have taken. And it would have been a big barbecue, essentially. Probably, would have been, would have been would, a big fire. Oh, I'd suggest that would have been the case for him. I would have been over the fence and gone, and he would have ended up in the traffic and bouncing. And it would have been it would have been chaos. Yeah. Yep. yep. So just dumbass luck that I missed him, and I said that on the TV. Yeah. <laughs> there was no no skill in it. It was just throw it back, miss yeah. him, and then lost control. It's just hope <laughs> for the best when you're racing yeah, cars. Yeah, eh? yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so obviously you've touched on you know your bad moments. Um, coming mm. to the end of the podcast yep, now. Yep. Yep. What's your favourite moments? Obviously, you've said that you haven't done a lot of podiums and you're, you know, you're not the next Craig Lowndes and whatnot, but mm. what are your most memorable moments? You said about Bathurst, you know, just missing out on that win that you could have had in your grasp. What's the top three moments for you as a oh, race car top, driver? Top top three was... Yeah, from 81 to, two th- you know, to 2018. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we go for like through the generation. You've got one in the 80s. You can have one in the 80s. I'll be quick with them. Yeah, one in the 80s. <laughs> one in the 80s. One in the 90s and one in the 2000s. Probably, I'll never forget driving out of pit exit in a race car for the first time in a little open wheeler in the rain and the and, and not recognising water hitting a visor and the helmet, that pitter-patter on an open wheeler and, in a, you know, that's a bit foreign and yep. I remember that. But you were excited. You were like, hell yeah, I'm a race yeah, car Yeah, yeah. Look, I'm driving, I'm on the track. Alan Grice was out there on the same day in a JPS sports sedan BMW and I thought, wow, I've made it. The Homebush one, you yep. know, that was, that was a high. But I do remember 2019, the current stuff. Mm-hmm. I went out, um, it was raining at Mount Panorama Lead group took off. I couldn't hang with them, but I was quicker than the rest of the mob in the wet. But I found myself for five laps in an XW 700 horsepower GT replica on a wet track at Mount Panorama. And I, I knew the crowd was there, and I, and I wasn't racing. I was just I got yeah. a unique opportunity that day. And look, the cameras weren't on it and all the rest of it. And I'm mm. not saying I'm Peter Brock, but I was enjoying sliding the car out of the karting sideways and yeah around know, Bathurst in the wet yeah you were just loving it that was that for you that was like your element moment just just because you just because you felt like you were at home 
essentially, you know, it's it's, it's a special place to, for me to have made Bathurst. It was it always has been special. And, and that moment, as I say, I wasn't racing. I wasn't under pressure. I was just driving a bloody good car that I grew up with idolising. And you know, if I'm honest, I was you know almost playing games. I'm on bloody. Johnny mm. Goss in 1971, yeah. look at this, all sideways <laughs> and throttling it up, grab a gear sideways again under the tree and all that sort of stuff. But, I mean, obviously you run the risk of bin in the thing, but yeah. <laughs> but I enjoyed that. That that was good. And some of the sponsor deals, it gets addictive too. Okay, we'll go on to the sponsor deals. What's, like, for the last thing, what's your what's your favourite sponsor or what's your favourite mem- memories? Of the, you Ducks know, Hot Water were very, very good. Um, I've been to the, um, the 200SX at Indy. It took off and rolled. And I remember coming to the um, the managing director. He said, how much is this going to cost to fix? And I went, oh, man, well, we've got to get her this and her this. And he said, how much is it going to cost to fix it? And I said, but we've got to go find it. Yeah, and, and you're nervous the, to say it. Well, I didn't know, but he just yeah. got the checkbook out and he wrote a number and it was big. And he went, stop talking and go fix it. <laughs> so they were great and unfortunately yeah. yeah old Andy Spool he's passed away he was a great guy they were very very good had them for years um, but the yeah the best deal was the big one which was HBM Electrical which I stumbled across I was talking to the marketing uh, sorry the oh and guy about uh, road safety and mm. my laptop was scrolling with pictures of our car mm. and the marketing guy literally came out of the room next door and mm. walked past and went do you know someone motor racing jumping to the room they just had a big meeting and said no nah, basketball no Cricket, nah. Football, too secular. And they come up, motor racing. So that's the one time in my life where I was in the right spot at the right time. And he just said, what's the deal? Put something together. And he helped you fund your two cars, obviously. You had, you had Luke, Luke Yildon. Yeah, you know. well, I wasn't thinking big enough because I came back with a deal to, you know, here's your sticker on this car and it's this big and give us whatever, 50 grand or whatever it was. And he, went, he was just shock on his face. I thought, oh, I've lost this, I can tell. He said, I'm talking big. Yeah, I want okay. promotional utes. I want girls. We're going to have 150 people at the Adelaide Five. We have to do a second one. Because oh, got, all right. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll but definitely yeah, do a second podcast. there's so many dodgy stories I can yeah. tell you. <laughs> I'll tell you what, this is juicy. So we'll, we'll, we'll yeah. do this first podcast and, <laughs> yeah, and, and once, we'll we get, one. once we get to the second season, hopefully, yep. hopefully some of your old sponsors can chip on on board and get me to Don't a get him in, I'll tell you the truth. <laughs> <laughs> but um, HPM was great because, I mean, I, you know, it was a full boardroom, international dudes were there, it was all happening and, and the clickety-click on the PowerPoint and all yeah, the pictures right. and everything and I pitched, you know, I mean, water under the bridge was in excess of half a million bucks. Yeah, okay. It was a big deal. And it was two cars. We're going to have a name driver. Didn't know who it was at that particular point in time. But it, you get to that moment, and anyone who's listening is in sales, mm. um, you know, I was taught when I joined the AMP to learn how to sell. You know, mm. they said that when you do the, the final pitch and the offers on the table, the next person who speaks loses. <laughs> and, and, and so it's all there, and the final page of the, the PowerPoint, it comes up, you know, for the 2007 season and 2008 and an option for 09. It's boom, 500 big numbers, plus yeah. the next one's bigger and the next one's bigger again, and it's all there. And you turn it off and you go, you just look at them yeah. and they're looking back and you're looking at them and they're waiting for me to say, I'm thinking, I'm not speaking, I'm yeah. not saying a word. And <laughs> it was the managing director, he, he looked at these guys and he said, does anyone have a problem with proceeding with this? I nearly hit the bloody floor. Yeah. And I thought, if any of you pricks say anything, I'm going to shoot you. <laughs> <laughs> you, were, that, you were like, this is this is my this time is to shine. Yeah. yeah, because I mean, obviously, yeah, we, yeah. times of the essence, but yeah, they were talking, okay, if this goes really well, supercars are where it, you not as a driver, we'll make you a team owner and we'll cut Luke along with us um but the gfc arrived and that that screwed us in the ass on that deal yeah but anyway yeah they signed the deal 
Yeah, well, thanks, Aaron, for being on the no podcast worries, on on the couch with Hooli. Oh, we'll have we'll definitely have to do a part two. I'm trying to get through it for obviously ten episodes. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right, mate. <laughs> so I'll, I'll definitely try and get you on another one, and I'm, I'm I appreciate you coming on. No problem at all, mate. It was a pleasure. Thanks, Cheers. mate. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you like the show, hit the subscribe button and leave a five star review. To keep up to date with the podcast, follow us on social media. The links are all in the show notes.